Hey, podcast listeners, Ethan Millard and Alex Curie here from the Nightside Project podcast here at KSL Podcast. Get into Zen Headlines with us on the Nightside Project. Use hashtag Zen Headlines on social media to share stories that make you think, make you smile, spread love, spread joy, all those things. We'll share them on the Nightside Project podcast. One of the most popular podcasts ever. Nightside is a KSL podcast. Subscribe for free anywhere you listen to podcasts. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome to Ideation Collective. I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show, we've got Nina Samasco. The other thing that I think Stan really has drilled in with me is to say what you stand for, right? I mean, things in business, as you know, Jess, are changing. You know, everything changes all the time. But there's things as a human being within myself that are never going to change. This is another episode of Innovation and Leadership, where we interview all kinds of high achievers, from world-class musicians to CEOs, authors, and pro athletes. Try to find the common elements of success, no matter what you're working on. Nina, thanks for making time. You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. So you are the CEO at NTT iCubed. Um, For people that don't know the big $120 billion NTT from Japan, can you give a bit of a a bit of a background for what this innovation group that you run comes out of? Sure. I mean, NTT group holistically, um, it's headquartered in Japan and it's a very um, old company. It's almost the equivalent of what you'd say AT&T is here in the United States. It's Nippon Telephone and Telegraph. Um, And of course, um, NTT has rapidly and very successfully transformed itself into one of the largest ICT companies in the world. And they set up NTT iCubed about three and a half, four years ago here in Silicon Valley to drive innovation across the 900 companies that it owns. And and help everybody get just a bit of a scope of, of this team that you run. I mean, don't you guys have like 6,000 professionals and two and a half billion dollar R&D budget. Am I getting those numbers yes. right off your website? Yeah. Yes. But the larger NTT group does indeed. I mean, we we own many companies that don't even have NTT in the name. So we own Dimension Data as an example. Uh, Dimension Data is headquartered um, currently in Johannesburg, South Africa. We own NTT Data, uh, which recently purchased uh, Dell Services down in Texas. Um, and within NTT Data, even um, we've uh, we own companies called one is Everest, based in Madrid, Spain, um, that does consulting and innovation. So um, NTT is likely one of the largest companies in the world that people outside of Japan likely have never even heard of. Yeah, I saw it was like number sixty on the global Fortune five hundred, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very large. I mean, NTT data is separately traded on the stock exchange even, right? So um, we have large companies, NTT Communications, we own Docomo, um, and some of our companies actually compete against each other. 
<laughs> That's wild. Well, yep. um, you know, you've got this great background at SAP and Nike, and we want to hear more about that later. But um, at this job that you've got here, um, you get to do such cool things. And before we started, we were talking about a couple of your mentors. Can you talk about yes. people that you look up to, like maybe Stan Slap or, or start wherever you want? Yes. Oh, yes. Stan Slap um, has been pivotal um, in, in helping me and training me to, to focus on really being human first. Um, so, yeah, Stan, I met Stan actually when I was at Siebel Systems. Um, so that was even prior to SAP um, and kept in touch. And I, I go to him regularly, less so now, but um, for sure regularly for, for coaching. Um, another one is a woman, her name is Irene Ortiz Glass, and she was actually assigned to be my mentor when I was working at SAP. And um, again, SAP, Nike, now NTT for the last couple of years, and Irene and I still have a close relationship. I still rely on her for different viewpoints, opinions, guidance. Um, and then the third one is probably my my boss from Tandem Computers. Um, she actually works at Oracle now, but her name is uh, Edie Gilmore. And um, I remember, you know, Tandem was one of my very first high-tech jobs. It was before I went to Oracle, um, which was prior to SAP and Nike. And I just learned so much from Edie about how to con conduct myself and to be a strong woman in, in tech. And um, yeah, again, Sherman's a good friend. This is great. You know, I think the, the business media loves to promote this lone genius who built their whole career by themselves and, you know, cut the path all by themselves, never being influenced by people. You know, there's some kind of mythology around that when in real life, it seems like it was never like that for people. Let, let's go through these people for a minute. So Stan, he's written books like Under the Hood. What What is it that you yes. liked about Stan's approach that that uh, attracted you to? So unconventional, Jess. Like, like what's an really example? Really unconventional. Um, well, if you even take a, a look at what Stan slapped just visually, um, the way he looks with his longish kind of cool hair and bracelets He's very not corporate, yet he's brilliant at coaching some amazing CEOs at some extremely large companies. Um, he's out of the box, he's outrageous, and he really forces you to think differently. But the core of what Stan stands for, for me personally, is to be human first. It's not about hierarchy it's not um it's about hey be a human being first you're not a manager you're not a leader you're a human being and that certainly was key yeah you know i think about this subject quite a bit um you know especially my years in investment banking um there's a lot of opportunity if you have any desire to feel special like you know i think about my insecurities as a 20 year old feeling like Am I really enough? Do I matter? And yeah. making a lot of money and flying on private jets, like I have, I got all sorts of external proof that I'm one of the special people, right? And, yeah. and there's just such a temptation there. Um, if there's any kind of like hole, <laughs> there's plenty of opportunity to fill it with externals instead of 
really like looking internally and saying like, I don't matter more as a person because I have this and I wouldn't matter less of a, as a person if I didn't have this. Yes. That's certainly part of it. Um, another thing he brings up is around trust. Mm. Right. And so he helped me when I got, you know, um, my job at SAP and, you know, we talked a lot about trust and coming in and leading a very large global team at SAP, you know, he said, Hey, Nina, you, these people that you're now leading, they're not going to trust you and, and nor should they. So call that out. Like, let's talk about it um, openly. And it was in pretty much my opening kind of salvo remarks when I first started that job at SAP. And when I brought it up and we talked about it um, as a large group within SAP, some of the colleagues came and they said, wow, you know, we've never had anyone speak to us like this. We've never had anyone be so open. Um, the other thing that I think Stan really has drilled in with me is to say what you stand for, right? I mean, things in business, as you know, Jess, are changing, you know, everything changes all the time, but there's things as a human being within myself that are never going to change, right? Like the three most important things for me, as an example, are accomplishment, loyalty, and passion, right? I, I thrive on accomplishing things. I really honor and respect and kind of require loyalty and, and passion. And those three things about myself are never going to change. So despite the organization changing, the targets might be changing, geographies may change. Um, those three things within myself as a person and what's important to me will never change. And I think that gives teams, you know, somewhat of an anchor to, okay, this is what Nina stands for. This is what Nina um, is important. And, you know, I, 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 my team today, we go through those three things and they all know if you asked any of them, what are Nina's kind of three tenants, you know? they would be able to tell you. You know, it's interesting the value of knowing things like this about ourselves, right? I, I was thinking about your blog post that I was reading and you had cited some of the work Gallup has done. Um, are you familiar with their with that book, uh, Strength Finders 2.0? Yeah. You know, I think about this idea of, of, of really figuring out what it is that it are our highest priorities. And I feel like that, you know, that book can help people. When you think about knowing this about yourself, what do you feel like that advantage is? Well, first of all, I mean, it, it, it didn't it, it didn't take me one second to figure it out, right? Stan and I worked on this, and I actually really, you have to think about it. And then Stan pushed me like, Nina, why are these things so important to you? And what are the stories um, in your past that made these things so important? And, um, I thought about it, um, came up with it. <laughs> I mean, I can think of one for, you know, even accomplishment, right? I, I grew up with my mom and it was just, uh, she and I, and she, we were driving somewhere and she got a flat tire. I was maybe nine years old and my mom got out and we kind of changed the tire together as much as a nine-year-old can help and my mom was like see we can do this like you can do things yourself you don't need to rely on anyone else you can do it and like a few months later she gave me a 
this is really dating myself, but the old style like pencil sharpeners that you actually had to attach to a desk. <laughs> and like with the crank, with that. the hand crank? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. The number two lead pencils. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So I got one of these pencil sharpeners um, for the holidays and I installed it myself. Again, I was like 10. And I remember saying, see, mom, like I installed this all by myself. Like, right. And so this is my accomplishment um, is just shows up for me. And it remains one of my, you know, kind of core values. It's funny. But it seems like, I mean, you guys have this super cool innovation center right in Silicon Valley. It seems like this is a concept you're still promoting about being hands on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I think if you're just living and working in Silicon Valley, you can't help but be hands-on. <laughs> it's kind of the way it goes in this 24-7 Silicon Valley atmosphere. Yes. Um, and, and specifically, what, what does it look like when somebody is working with you or like what happens day to day? You know, cool, cool innovation centers like you guys, they feel like a black box to the rest of us. What's, what's a day in the life there? Well, well everything, it's always different. Um, we truly are 24 seven because you never know when a brilliant idea is going to strike. And, you know, we have some young, brilliant engineers that may pull an all nighter for a couple nights in a row because they have this idea and they just have to get it out. Um, so every day is so different, Jess, which is why I love my job. Hmm. Um, so when you think about, um, well, let's let's stay on the mentor thing for just a couple more minutes. Why, why don't we, uh, let's talk about one more of these mentors that, that people you feel like had a big influence on you. Okay, we can talk about Edie. Right? So Edie was, again, I, you know, pretty much my first um, boss in high tech and here in, in the Valley, in San Jose. And she was tough. Um, and she expected a lot. And it was the most um, informative, like learning for my career probably ever. She was really, really hard. And um, I respect her so much. Um, Fortunately, we are still excellent friends today. We socialize, et cetera. Um, But yeah, she really taught me a lot about how to handle yourself as a woman in business. She was in charge at one point of um, manufacturing. Um, So she had to deal with all the folks on the manufacturing plant floor, and she was supervising all of them at one point. And just mm, observing her communicating with the executives um, that she reported to was just such a gift and such a learning for me. So valuable. When you say hard, I think it's really easy to think of hard bosses that were not great. You know, they were hard and not great. Can you talk yeah. about how she's hard but was also great? Sure. Um, you know, she, you know, at the end of a quarter when you're working in a hardware situation, it was uh, 24-7. We actually had to be at work um, for 24-hour periods at times at the end of the quarter when, you know, we'd have auditors standing at the blue line watching, you know, to recognize revenue, right? Um, Completed servers would have to be pushed over a line. And um, so it was difficult when you are working that long and that hard. And she expected people to be on it and 
to, but yet she explained things to me, right? Like I certainly in those early days made plenty of mistakes counting the revenue and equating where we were going to end up for the quarter. And she was patient um, and showed me how to do it. But I definitely did not want to make a mistake. Once she told me once and explained it to me once, I did not want to make an, a mistake and disappoint her. So she had a quality where I, I wanted to excel. I wanted to learn. She laid it out and gave it to me, but I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't want to mess it up, right? Once she educated me, I wanted to take that and do well. You know, it's interesting you use the word patience. Don't you think about how many people pride themselves on, I just call it how I see it, which is like often, <laughs> yeah. I just want an excuse to be rude, right? Um, right. And they, they don't want to check, you know, they don't want to have to care about the human who they're communicating to. They just want to say what they want to say. It's interesting yeah. that you add that element of, you know, that she had an element of patience there too. What do you, what do you feel like the advantage is? I mean, even though you have to get it done and you have to get it done right, what do you think the advantage is of adding in some patience like that? Well, I mean, it's very easy um, to say how how you, Jess, or myself would do things, right? And to many of us, there's a clear path between A and B. That's what works for us. That's the easiest way to do it. So everyone should do it that way. And And thinking that is just not smart. There are plenty of ways to get from A to B. And what works for you may not work for me. Yes, we have the same starting point and we have the same end point. Um, but I think as leaders and actually as human beings and people, people need to recognize that there's more than one path to get from A to B. And I think that's where, you know, Edie knew that. Um, and I think that's just important in life <laughs> to recognize that not everyone's going to take the same path to maybe get to the same end goal. Well, and I think we're going to spend, you know, this the second episode here, the part two episode, mostly talking about innovation, but I can't, we may as well lead into it now. Thinking about innovation and thinking about, you know, widening the aperture and considering options, can you talk about, you know, why what you've just discussed would assist in people who want to innovate at their organization? Uh, yeah, and, and I, I think several core tenets, right? One is you can't put too many boundaries or rules on innovation or even on where it comes from. Um, here at NTTI Cubed, we certainly have the core tenants and we have the verticals that are important to NTT Group holistically. And um, of course, we want to leverage all of the assets that NTT currently has. So those right there are, are some guidelines on innovating. Um, but beyond that, I, I try not to put any other parameters on it and let these young, brilliant engineers do what they do and come up with what they come up with and try what they want to try. Um, we, we all need to accept failure um, and think of all the learnings that come from failing. And sometimes the failure and the learnings are the byproduct, and that is that that's the output, and that's good. Um, not everything can achieve brilliant results, and you know become the next Amazon, right, or the next Google, or the next Tesla car. Yeah. So. So as a leader, 
um, you know, you think about the balance beam there of overbearing, putting too many limits on and stifling people's potential breakthrough uh, as falling off the balance beam one way or falling off the balance beam the other way. And we're just letting people invent the new, you know, uh, consumer candy product <laughs> has nothing to do yeah. with your world. Um, right. And those are obviously extremes. But when you think about the balance beam of knowing, you know, giving some principles, giving some direction, giving some freedom, how do you how do you make your own decisions along that line? Well, we definitely say no a lot, for sure. Um, but one of the benefits that I think we we have as NTT IQ we don't necessarily have to stick to the assets that NTT has. Yes, we, we try to leverage what we have, but if we are talking to a large customer and they're using, um, well, here's an example. We have nine different cloud platforms across NTT group. But if we're talking to a large uh, customer, even a small customer, and they're like, you know, hey, we, we, we run our stuff and we like to use Azure. Uh, we're like, okay, that's great. Like we don't have a PL at NTTI Cube. So we have the freedom to leverage um, competitive tools, competitive assets, as well as our own. And I think that is one of the most unique things about NTTI Cubed and the way NTT Group has set us up. And what specifically is, is that advantage? To spell it out for people, the advantage for you having it that way is. Well, I think when I think and even with some of my former employers, when customers go in and they want to look at how XYZ company is innovating, it comes across more um, many times like a sales pitch. Right. Mm. So if I'm a large software company and I'm innovating and I'm, and I'm showing you my innovations, the goal is ultimately to get you to purchase more of my software. Mm-hmm. When customers walk into NTT iCubed, I, I can't sell them anything because I'm not running a P&L. Mm. Right. And so right away they feel like, wow, this is different. And okay, I use this system integrator. I don't use NTT data and that's okay. I don't use an NTT cloud platform and that's okay. Wow, this is really breaking down, you know, we're, we're shocked, right? Um, and that's where I think we shine in Silicon Valley because that's extremely different model than many of the larger innovation centers that are set up here. Yeah, and give us an example of the kind of clients that are coming to you. Sorry, give you an example of? The kind of customers, the kind of clients that are coming to you. Oh, uh, every fortune company you can think of um, is a customer of NTT Group. Some of the largest companies in the world, the, the you know, I think we cover 98% of the Fortune 500 is a NTT customer in some way, shape, or form whether they're leveraging our data center services, um, a system integrator that we, that we own, um, whatever. And then what's an example of at NTT iCubed, what you would do for someone? Well, we've done, uh, we've done a lot of things. We do things in healthcare. We do a lot of things in automotive. We participate in hackathons. Um, and some of this stuff um, is uh, very public. We did a project with Indy Race Car. We have some wearable technology. Um, we NTT Data sponsors an Indy Car driver, um, and we were instrumental in um, helping with the analytics 
around that wearable tech, the driver was wearing um, Hitoe, which came out of our R&D labs in Japan. And we were able to improve his driving performance um, because we can monitor everything. The Hitoe wearable tech monitors uh, a crazy amount of metrics. I want to say maybe how do, you, how do you spell that? H-I-P-O-E. And it is commercially available. You can buy it in a North Face store in Japan, for sure. And it measures a whole bunch of things. Medical grade uh, EKG. It can tell if you're digesting food. Um, it can... It's great actually for sleeping. You can you monitor your sleep quality. Um, but specifically for Indy, um, you can Google it, Jess. There's a lot of information yeah, about it. I'm Googling yeah. it right cool. now. This is incredible. Yeah, it's cool stuff. That's and cool and you stuff. guys helped figure out how do we put this in a race car driver suit? We did help with the anal absolutely. We helped with the um, analytics. We went to the track, we met the driver. Absolutely. How fun. Um, it was really fun. Well, um, I think this is a great place to end part one of the episode. Uh, everybody, come, please listen to uh, our next episode. We're going to ask Nina about both her time at SAP and Nike and, uh, and some of the lessons that she feels like she's learned from a career innovating. Thanks so much. Well, that's it for the episode. One other thing I wanted to tell you about, if you remember the guys from Convoy uh, in episodes back, Ken Free and... Trent Mano. I went on one of their CEO trips to New York and I met a guy named Brent Thompson, very successful entrepreneur. He was a former CEO of Jive Communications, big uh, company now, I think three or $400 million. Anyways, he, uh, he started a new company called blipbillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But I, I remember a year and some ago when I met him, I thought it was genius. Instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboard uh, for thousands of dollars, you can buy eight seconds at a time like 10 or 20 cents you pick what billboard you want it on what time of day you want it to run and it just puts so much power in the hands of of marketers and ceos who want to try something and see if it works you can buy as many or as few as you want change it as many times as you want uh, i think now our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors we're pretty excited about it hope you check out blipbillboards.com thanks Get to Old Navy for star-spangled style. Right now, everything's on sale, up to 60% off. That's right, get everything from tees, shorts, dresses, and swim, all at 60% off. Now till July 7th at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid through 7-7, select styles only.